Good afternoon. I keep wanting to say good morning when I do this show because <laughs> it's just on the on the other side of twelve o'clock. Uh, thanks for joining me today, Kim. Um, we are going to cover the ultimate guide to buy to let investment uh, today. There's going to be twelve um, actionable uh, points that I'm going to cover, um, and you could obviously uh, help us with. Uh, there's going to cover like tenant demand property and area and things as well and we'll also touch on um, a bit about what we spoke about on Saturday uh, expenses and things tax allowances and tax deductible expenses for landlords but yes the ultimate guide to buy to let investment guys that's what we're covering today and the 12 actionable steps just before we go ahead obviously I just wanted to give a shout out to Jim obviously he's not here if he's been following his journey on social media he has just obviously really got, got to the summit of uh, Tubecar on Saturday um a really big achievement so well done to him for that he's surpassed his target for raising donations for the Crossnest trust which is a brilliant charity so hopefully we could get some more if you want to go on and contribute to jim's um page obviously with the the, the gofundme uh, the just giving page it is on all his social media uh, platforms and on these pages as well we are live this morning, guys, or this afternoon. Please feel free to jump in the comments as we speak. I'll try and get to them at the end. We're not live on TikTok this morning, this afternoon because obviously Jim's not here and I don't have a thousand followers. Uh, so if you want to follow me on TikTok and get me to that point so we could go live on TikTok while we do this from my account, it's Fife Properties Lens. And you can uh, follow me on TikTok there if you have TikTok. Otherwise, we are live uh, as usual on all the social media pages. So our 12 um, achievable steps to buy to let investment. If you're wondering about property and buy to let investments, it is one of the most popular and lucrative investment methods out there. And by purchasing buy to let property, investors can generate attractive returns and benefits from ownership of valuable assets in the UK property market. Now, there are certain things you need to know and buy to let investment and some people who are just starting out sometimes don't have the the best of knowledge about how to get started and and this kind of guide that we're going to go through today is really good and these 12 actionable steps will help you achieve that whether you're a new landlord investor or somebody that's uh, already got property it is all relevant in terms of the journey that you probably be on and the first point that I would like to cover is making sure you understand the basics of buy-to-let property investment. Uh, the, the basics are, as I say, they are very basic, but you need to you, you don't know what you don't know, and I think that's the important thing. You might be an experienced investor who just wants to brush up on their buy-to-let knowledge. Um, on the other hand, you can be familiar with property investment, but um, these points are all quite good. Uh, we all have to start somewhere. And understanding the basics of buy-to-let business is one of the most crucial uh, buy-to-let tips when beginning your portfolio journey. If you're a first-time uh, buyer in the buy-to-let um, industry or if you are building your portfolio up, then this is a lot of information that is relevant to you. I mean, firstly, what is buy-to-let? I think a lot of people maybe are unsure of that. A lot of you guys watching today obviously will know what buy-to-let is, but as I say, we're going to start at the basics here, here today. And when it comes to investment and in property, buy-to-let has been popular for around about obviously the mid-90s. We've heard Jim talk about the start of his journey and it was, it was like in the early 90s and onwards that he started. And that's when it all kind of started growing increasingly more 
prevalent over time, obviously, and, and by the mid-noughties, there were over a million outstanding buy-to-let mortgages, increasing from half a million in 2004 up to about 2007, and then up to about, the, obviously, 2020. Buy-to-let investment is considered one of the best property investment strategies uh, for those who want to make a lucrative income, thanks to buy-to-let returns. Um, so how does it all how does that, how does it all work? How does buy to let work? Um, and it's normal to find yourself wondering how does it how does it all work, especially if you're new to the whole concept. And in a nutshell, buy to let works in obviously a few simple steps. Uh, basically, purchase a property, find a tenant, and receive return. Although, Kim, you and I know that <laughs> there's a lot more that goes into it um, yeah. rather than just those three simple steps. But that that is the fundamental uh, flow of things. Uh, Kim, do you find you get a lot of uh, new investors and things that um, depend on the information from, obviously, like myself and Jim and 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 you and yourself as well, obviously, in the learning process? Yes, obviously, it's a lot more in depth than you can break it down to those three steps. But ultimately, there's obviously a lot more that goes into it that we do on a day-to-day -day basis. So. For the first time that you're looking to do this, obviously, at best, knowledge is power in every situation, especially mm -hmm. when it comes to buy to let. This is obviously your money, your investment. You want to do it right. So um, there's a lot of steps, obviously, we'll cover today and how to do that efficiently and effectively as well. But, um, yeah, there's a, a lot that goes into it. So um, feel free to ask the questions. There is no stupid questions when it comes to things like this. Yeah. So um, you're best to ask either like Richard, myself, if you have any queries, if this is the first time you're doing it. Or even if this is you maybe already have a buy to let and you're looking to expand your portfolio, obviously there's various ways to do it. So um, yeah, best to ask than do yeah. mistakes. Things change so much, and I think even though you're maybe a seasoned uh, landlord or investor and things, you might you might not be too up to scratch on what the new legislation is or what's what's the popular areas to start to obviously you continue to build your portfolio where's best to buy, what tenants are be best to target and things as well. And that, that's what we're going to cover today. Rental yields is an important thing as well. We spoke about rental yields in the show previously. And the, I mean, rental yields are commonly used, uh, as a term that's commonly used in relation to buy to let. And rental yields are a percentage figure uh, that highlights the rental returns an investor is likely to achieve. Now, typically, this is the, the higher the better. And it's based on the percentage of um, what a rental yield is calculated by taking obviously the rental income um, and what that is from the buy to let property and dividing it by the property's purchase. Now, that's your gross yield and we've spoke about this before that you're better to concentrate if you're using buy to let uh, finance and obviously a, a mortgage to fund your purchase you better to look at your net yield which is obviously after the the rent has been uh, the mortgage has been paid and that's that's what to concentrate unless you're buying cash which obviously uh, then you can concentrate on a gross yield but you need to take into consideration your mortgage payments and other costs and things and then look at your net uh, yield as your rental return as opposed to the gross yield i think that's important um i know um we were going to leave comments to the end but it's just because jim's jumped on uh, to say good afternoon so good afternoon jim glad you're watching um, I believe you're in Marrakesh. You're in North Africa anyway. Uh, so yeah, well done again, Jim. Uh, and Jim will be back with us next week on the Wealth Creation Show as usual. So yeah, that, that's basically, I mean, make sure you're aware of the basics. Uh, speak to the right people. Uh, know the basics with maybe buy to let funding. 
and the rental yields and what you could achieve and things as well before you set out on that journey. Number two is weigh up. What are the pros and cons? Um, I find, uh, as a first time buy to let buyer, you can maybe seem a, can maybe seem a lot of hassle uh, and leading you to wonder, is buy to let really worth it? Uh, there are always um, ways of knowing whether buy to let is the right property venture for you. Uh, and if you're obviously looking at different buy to let ventures and properties and things, make sure that you have the right people on hand to advise you on whether that is the the right purchase to make and, and obviously and you're not going in there blind with uh, any buy to let purchases. The pros of buy to let uh, properties, obviously in the UK, buy to let properties provide an, an attractive investment option. The UK property market is currently performing really high levels as we're, we, we're all too aware with rising house prices and increasing rental costs, offering investors the chance to make some really good returns. These rental uh, rise in costs um, in many parts of the UK are led by the soaring levels of demand for rental properties. Those who invest wisely and look for buy to let properties in high growth areas with plenty of tenant demand are sure to find success with buy to let investment. Kieran, we've seen a lot of this recently. We still have really high tenant demand at the moment and not the stock to keep up with that. Um, is that something you see obviously as a trend that will continue? There is, yeah. I mean, we really faced it when we came out of like lockdown, the amount of people that were looking for rental properties versus what was on the market, just it completely outweighed it. So you have a lot of people that are still going for the same property. We have seen a slight calm down to it just with the rise in living costs. But if you have a property that's still in good condition and at a suitable rental level, still obviously on the higher side, but you're not being completely unreasonable about it, you are still getting a high demand of people looking for it. We have properties, especially in Kirkcaldy, that we've been putting on the market recently. And as soon as they go live on the market, there is basically a list of people looking to see them. And it's like that in various areas across Fife as well. Yeah. Yeah. Tenant demand is really driving things uh, forward and has done for the last few years since, obviously, the pandemic and things as well. Uh, as with any investment venture, buying property to let comes with a level of risk, obviously. To truly succeed when you invest in buy to let, you will need to be willing to tie your money up for a longer period of time. I think that's important. People try and I think people enter this maybe sometimes with the thought process like quick returns and things, but I think it, it really is. Uh, it's it, for the, yeah, I mean, the mid to long term is basically the best thing to obviously gauge your your goals and and your your target on rather than quick returns. It's not going to work like that. I think it is definitely a longer period. Or, or spread out across a longer period where you will see the benefit of your buy to let investment. Um, I mean, you could have found the perfect UK property in one of the best let areas uh, with the best buy to let mortgage and things, but you still, you would still have an element of risk uh, and hazards along the way. So some of the most common risks that come with buy to let uh, include obviously market changes and that could cause uh, your property maybe to decrease in value and you could um, then suffer maybe extended void periods which is obviously going to have an effect on your return and a void period is essentially a period of time where you don't have a tenant in the property and you're obviously missing out on rental payments now that obviously has a detrimental effect uh, the longer the period that goes on to your to your um to your income on your buy to let investment and i think these are things that you have to take into account when you're going into it like you might have void periods you might have maintenance coming up like these are all things that you'd have to take into account 
when working out a budget and if this is going to be the financially right decision for yourself going forward. Yeah, that, I think it's important that you do your due diligence and then you you risk assess your, your investment or your potential investment. Like obviously we've covered before, if you look at, right, okay, if there's a change in the market, if there's a change in interest rates, or if my property is empty for X amount of months, um, or do you know what I mean? If mortgage my mortgage payments go up, or do you know, stamp duties just change, that's another thing you need to take into consideration. So all these costs and things um, that if you do your risk analysis and things when you are making a purchase, then you could limit your 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 you could limit your, the chances of you being so um, open to changes in the market having an effect on your investment. And um, basically, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's risk analysis when you're doing the purchase in the first instance. And always be prepared for changes that will come. And that is an important thing. And I think obviously the pros and cons of buy-to-let investment is that things do change and the market does change and nothing always stays the same. So preparation um, for any of these changes and having your buy-to-let investment set up to withstand any of these changes to a certain level, obviously, you can't obviously... Um, can't predict can't, the future. <laughs> yeah, but obviously if you've, if you've, done, your, if you've done your homework and, and risk analysis, then you should be comfortable when things begin to get hard and obviously be risk adverse. So, okay, the next one is uh, know what to look for. Um, I mean, before investing in buy-to-let, you need to know what to look for when you're selecting buy-to-let properties. Everyone's buying a, a property to let will want to know, you know where, where they're getting the most for their investment, uh, if they're focusing on uh, the right criteria in terms of uh, tenants, is it a good way to increase the chances of success to look at certain, do you know what I mean, certain uh, demographics of tenant, whether it's be families or students, um, and then obviously areas that are going to attract certain tenants and things as well. So this is all part of building your buy-to-let strategy. So make sure you know and identify the best buy-to-let opportunities uh, and areas and things as well. Always look for high rental yields. Rental yields within the um, within certain areas can, can differ obviously slightly. Higher rental yields, the better. Now rental yields across the UK tend to be average if you're five six percent you're 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 in a good uh, you're in a good level and that's generally accepted as as quite a good level but they do rise up to like seven eight and nine percent uh, areas like in scotland obviously glasgow uh falkirk's actually quite a good one as well they yeah, see yeah. really high rental returns and that they, they're actually up about eight and nine percent things as well and falkirk's actually um it's got higher rental yields than edinburgh and parts of Edinburgh and things as well, but Glasgow's really good. But then I think the cities are easy to concentrate on. We obviously are in Fife, and I think Fife is, is kind to me. It's only micro-climate, and we do have, obviously, St Andrews at one end of the, the, the spectrum, and then obviously uh, right down to the, to the other end. Ken, what, what's your thoughts about, obviously, areas and, and things in Fife? And uh, do you think it's quite diverse, and you, you, could, you could have higher values, or you could have like the, a lower value, but you're still getting good uh, returns? Yeah, just obviously it depends on what area you go for. Fife is very pockety. There's lots of different areas and you, even from like the span of a five minute difference between one village to the next or one town to the next, it can be completely different. Obviously, when you're looking at purchasing your 
if you're in a lower end area, you'll be able to pick something up at a cheaper value. And then obviously you'll be looking at a lower level of rent, but the yield still works itself out because you've purchased at that lower value. And likewise, if you're going for something higher end, you'll be looking to achieve a higher level of rent for it. So um, I think the area very much depicts kind of what what your budget will be and obviously what type of tenant you're looking for as well. Obviously, different areas will attract different types of people. Like you see, St Andrews, Cooper, they're quite good for students. Um, more East Nuke kind of families or work professionals. It just really depends on kind of what area you're looking for. So um, if you are unsure, please let us know because we'd be happy to advise you on the area that you're looking at. We've got a lot of landlords that would send us the link for a property if they're looking at purchasing it, just to get kind of the initial rental return on it and our thoughts on the area as well, if there's going to be a demand in that area. There is no point in buying a property that there is no demand for. Ultimately, in Fife, there's usually a demand for something everywhere, but sometimes even street to street can completely change, obviously, the, the demand for it. Yeah, you're right. From street to street, it could change slightly. We are fortunate at the moment and have been for a while that tenant, I mean, generally, I feel like the rental market and tenants and things does generally tick over really quite well. I mean, it peaks and troughs maybe throughout times of the year, like a wee bit, but and obviously the last couple of years, tenant demand has just surpassed anything I've ever experienced um, well-being and obviously lens and industry. But yeah, I mean, it, there's quite a diverse areas in Fife and I think it's quite good and you could diversify your portfolio throughout uh, Fife. Um, considering tenant demand is important, I mean tenant demand is a huge part of the decision making process when you're finding the buy to let property. So I mean you don't buy the property and then think about what tenants should go in, it's, you should look at the property and think about who would go in this before you purchase it. Without demand for your property you won't secure any tenants and you could be left losing income through void periods and things. So. Uh, not to mention the higher likelihood of um, ending up with a lower yield at the end of the year. Um, and, and then obviously that has a, an effect on the income that you're trying to generate from your buy-to-let business. As I say, there is um, there is certain areas throughout the, the entire country and things that are better than others, but Fife itself is quite a good quite a good area. You do always want to also want to think about capital growth. If you're doing a long-term investment portfolio, capital growth, I mean, it is important as an important element, but if you're in for the long term and, and more concentrated on the cash flow from the property, um, it's not as important, but it's always good to obviously have that uh, capital appreciation on the value of the property. Generally, if you're buying something and doing general uh, upgrades and then obviously property price will increase over time anyway, I'd, I'd probably gauge maybe every 10 years to look at obviously your, um, your capital growth considerably going up around about 10%. Um, at 10-15% possibly in that 10-year period, you're not going to see any drastic changes within a couple of years of purchasing a property, unless you're going to do, um, unless you're going to do extensive like renovation works and 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 upgrade the property to a certain degree. But yeah, um, capital appreciation is an important thing, and it's good for obviously reinvestment as well when you're building a vital portfolio to obviously uh, release the equity and then reinvest to to keep building. So yeah, explore the best buy-to-let areas. Now, when it comes to obviously uh, Scotland and things, as I said, that the areas like the, the cities and things obviously come up first. But I think um, the the area of Fife is quite diverse, and I think that's a good place to start. You still see a lot of people coming from the west coast and things as well, and investors who are really attracted by 
Fife is an area because of that setup and 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 the different areas you get. And I think property prices are quite good in terms of the purchase price versus what you could actually achieve for um, for rent. Glenoffice is a prime example, a very undervalued area. You could pick up three, two, three bedroom houses and things there. Sometimes for around about seventy thousand, and sometimes even slightly less. But obviously, we need to do work and things. And I mean, what are we getting for a three bedroom house now in Glenoffice, Ken? About six hundred and fifty per month for a three bedroom yeah. Glenoffice. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's a good return, especially if you if you were picking up for say seventy, eighty, if it's if it's already got. Uh, if it's already been completed work-wise and you've not got a lot of extra money to go into it. So yeah, definitely a good area. But I mean, that's just an, one example. There is a lot of different areas uh, throughout Fife that are quite good. It's quite good as well, because you tend to attract more kind of families or couples that are in that area. And uh, you tend to get a bit of a longer let out of some. They tend to stay a bit longer just because you, you have that family set up for it. They don't want to be moving kids around as much because they're in a, a nice house. So. It can be quite good for obviously minimising void periods and obviously giving you quite a good return on the property as well. Yeah, yeah. Looking at different buy to let strategies, I think well that's point five um, on our on our list. Uh, that kind of falls in with that. So, it's, are, are you going to be buying a house for a family? Are you going to be buying an apartment for uh, professionals or possibly for students? I consider obviously student lets and things. HMOs and things is not something that we deal with. That's quite popular in St Andrews, but there is not uh, any applications for new HMO licences in St Andrews at the moment. It can be quite successful HMO and student lets. There is a lot of work involved. There is uh, you need to get it right because you've got so many occupants in one building. Uh, if you have them all, if you have them all working uh, out at the same time, it can be quite lucrative. There is a lot of different. Um, safety aspects and compliance measures and things that come with HMOs as well. But if student lets is your thing then and, and you know how to do it and, and that's fine. Um, or maybe obviously just sticking to residential lets. Like I say, whether it's apartments, whether it's a house and your target and families, working professionals and things. What kind of I mean like Cooper, you, you mentioned Cooper about students there, Karen, but then like we've got a mixture of like you do get students in Cooper, but then you also get a lot of working professionals. You have quite a lot of diversity, whether it's students, families, working professionals, like it does just because of the area that it's in, it's in within distance to St Andrews, within distance to Dundee on the train, so you have the train station there, um, likewise into Edinburgh as well. So Cooper is quite a good area for obviously attracting quite a wide range of tenants for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as and I think the train station is there as well. It's got quite good commuter links and things. Leaving has got the train station coming uh, in a few years, which I think is going to have a really good impact on the area and in terms of who's going to live there and, and the reasons that they'll live there for commuting and things as well. So, yeah, I think it, the, the prospect of train station and commuter links and things is quite important. I think that's, we do see that with, uh, with property in Cooper because of that train link. Train link's brilliant and obviously taking you straight into whether it's Dundee, whether it's Edinburgh. So that is quite, um, that's quite a good thing. And it's, it's something to think about as well. I think when you talk, to think about area and where to purchase your next buy to let, you're getting properties, maybe Methil, Buckhaven, uh, and even leaving as well, obviously, at quite reasonable prices in terms of 
purchase and rental rental prices are quite good at the moment uh, across obviously across the country and Fife but we have seen I mean what's the two bed flat and method at the moment Karen? You're looking about 475 depending on the condition you can sometimes achieve higher. Yeah and that's just like what the, the four and a block x local authority. Yeah just here's something called four and a block x council. Yeah um, and I mean you, you could be picking them up from anywhere like 55, 60. Yeah. I've seen them go on the increase now. I've seen them coming in more around about kind of yeah. the 70 mark. Yeah, the, the, the reason I say that, <laughs> the reason I say that is because I've just seen one come up at uh, 55, which I think I'm going to, uh, well, I am going to put out to a couple of my um, investors that are looking to buy. I've seen that this morning. So that's one. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, between like the 55 up to about 70 mark, but I mean, the time you, you get um, four, seven, five a month and things, and then the the return on that's quite good and Levan and uh, Methil and Buckhaven and things are quite good areas for investment and the, these kind of properties will rent all day long so yeah think about your area think about what your your strategy is is it an apartment is it going to be a house is it going to be uh, aimed at working professionals or families and things as well now when you're thinking about the properties you can choose you, you could get like I mean, we've seen a few people buy to do this recently with the new build schemes that are coming up, Karen, and, and buying new builds. Um, or you could look at properties that are already completely like refurbished and, and ready to go. And I think that the, choosing between them rather than, I think as, if you're starting out, it's quite important. Everybody wants to maybe start out and like get stuck in and do all that. But I think for your first rental property, try and get one that's as close to ready as possible, where you just need to make sure it's compliant. Maybe do a wee bit touching up to freshen the place up get it on and get it get it running and operating as a uh, as a as a buy to let investment with a tenant in place and things i think initially that's the best choice rather than to go straight in and try and do a full re renovation and, and increase the value and things you can't do that as a good strategy but get yourself started first get your feet on the ground have maybe one or two that are up and running if, if, if you're obviously looking to start to build a, a portfolio then get started with one or two that are up and running and then look at like okay I can maybe look at maybe a, a bit of a renovation project and things as well. People do like the thought of just buying something that's ready to go whether it be a new build or something that's just been refurbed. How do you think that I mean Ken you've done a, a few of the newer builds uh, lately in terms of rental and obviously the, the the thing now is obviously newly refurbished a lot of people a lot of landlords and people are getting to the point where it's like right okay I've had this property for so long when the tenancy has changed, let's do a full refurb and get it all nice. And how do you think, how, how does that, um, what reaction does that get when you put it on the market? So obviously the pressure is more modern, it is the more in demand it's going to be. People are wanting yeah. white walls, grey carpets, like fresh properties that they can just walk into and just have to put their furniture in as opposed to things that are maybe a bit dated. If you are purchasing a property and needing to freshen up the paint, please don't paint it Magnolia. <laughs> we are out of the days of Magnolia. <laughs> so um, whites and grey seem to be the preference just now for it. But yeah, like I say, the newer property is, the more in demand you're going to have to find it, which means you're then going to be able to find yourself a better quality tenant because it tends to be the people that are looking for the nicer properties are the ones that want to keep them nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, just for that side of it. Um, even if for all the sake of it is, is going to get in maybe like a tin of paint and giving it that freshen up just to get rid of a coloured wall, for example, they're not going to be everyone's cup of tea and not everybody's prepared to come in and be decorate a property. So the more neutral, I would say, probably the better. 
yeah i mean my that's that's what my advice advice would be as to to go for a property that is is nearly ready and in quite good condition and i mean if you're if you are experienced enough and have the contractors to hand and have the time and, and want to do a full refurb as, as, as your first uh, property then by all means that's your choice i just think it's quite good to to have things up and running and, and have a start generating a cash flow with a couple of properties that are safe um, and, and operating and then start to play around with um, doing renovations and, and a lot of work because renovations are not uh, for the faint-hearted especially if you're doing the full works uh, when it comes to like if you're doing heating system kitchen bathroom windows I mean all the fundamental stuff um, making sure it's all compliant and things it could take time it costs a lot of money and yeah you need to know what you're doing or have people assisting you that know what they're doing so just be careful of that i think it's the, the, the advice i could give anybody um the next point is to obviously choose between whether you want to be a hands-on or a hands-off investor a lot of people do want to do a lot of it on their own i think if you're going to build a big portfolio and want to have um that running without a lot of your input and, and save yourself time and money it is good to have a hands-off investment approach we do a lot of, uh, I do a lot of property sourcing and find properties for landlords and things that I've never even been in them. Um, and I think I've got a few that could uh, test, uh, give me testament to that, that how, how good it works without their involvement and can save in them time. I mean, when you buy, in, uh, when you invest in buy to let property, you will be faced with that choice, either managing uh, the mm -hmm. landlord side of the investment yourself or hiring a managing company to help you. Uh, this is definitely something you'll want to consider as part of your buy to let investment process and it can be it can depend on a, a number of factors whether you decide to do that um, a hands-off property investor is somebody that obviously purchases buy to let property but doesn't get involved in the day-to-day -day management of the property and uh, that would normally mean that they hire a property management company to carry out the duties for them Karen, we obviously i mean you've worked in property management for four or five years um, and, and you're still involved to an element as well, but you obviously you take a lot more to do with the letting side now, obviously, because you are now obviously a letting agent as opposed to a property manager. Do you, I mean, what's the benefits do you, could you could advise people of obviously using a, a, a management company for your buy to let investment? I mean, time is money. And whether yeah. you want to be for what basically the price of a cup of coffee each day, do you want to be getting those phone calls when you least need them that somebody's got a leak or their boiler's not working? No, you don't. Because <laughs> yeah. at the end of the day, obviously having a tenant in it can be great. You can have somebody that's got a lovely home for themselves. It's giving you obviously your rent coming in regularly each month. But there is obviously that negative side to it where things stop working or an inspection needs done or even just keeping up to date with legislation, which is constantly changing. So I can't imagine you would want to be sitting there looking through, making sure you're up to date with all the legislation and then getting calls. And it's just it's so much to deal with on a day to day basis. So um, I would strongly advise having a letting agent to deal with it for you because it just takes off all that hassle for you and you're getting your rent coming in each month for it. You have the peace of mind of knowing your property is being looked after with ourselves. Obviously, you're getting your statements coming in and out each month for it. So when it comes around to doing your tax returns, it's far easier. I don't know how landlords that do it themselves manage to do it um, without getting their statements through a loan. Um, so hats off to them, but it wouldn't be me. I would definitely go as a managing agent, just even for the peace of mind for yourself, of knowing your tenants being looked after and your investment is being looked after as well. Yeah, I think more so recently with just the continual changes to 
compliance and legislation and you know it's, it's a lot and we spend a lot of time training and keeping up with it and we know what goes into it to, to have the knowledge to, to be operating properly so for an independent landlord to do that on their own it's a lot of work it's a lot of work and a lot of time i'm not saying that people aren't capable of doing it but you could save yourself a lot of hassle i mean there are a lot of different benefits when it comes to using a property management company one of the main advantages is the fact that you'll have more freedom uh, to maintain possibly your own career, travel and, and enjoy your other commitments without having to worry about maintaining your rental properties as a full-time job. You'll often also be met with um, higher quality tenants and things if you're using an agent um, to source them and put them in place and look after them. We tend to build quite good relationships with our tenants, they tend to long, stay longer when they're dealing with us as an agency because they, they, they feel like you need to have that approachable thing with the, the tenants. Sometimes tenants don't have that with their landlord. They prefer to deal with an agent uh, and to be that that mediating uh, person in the middle between is, uh, is quite important for the relationship as well, I think. Yeah, it can make things quite awkward when you're dealing directly between a landlord and a tenant, whether that's your tenants having some issues paying their rent or there's a maintenance issue that the landlords maybe not quite got the money to get fixed at that time. It's just it can make things quite awkward and quite uncomfortable. So um, having obviously an agent in place kind of takes away that personal attachment from it and it makes it a lot easier for like tenants to get in contact with you or vice versa, a landlord to get in contact because it's that kind of middle mediating party as yeah. opposed to direct contact. Yeah, so it's, it's always good to keep that set up if you've got an agent let them do their job <laughs> sometimes you get too involved and it, it disrupts the the dynamic of how things should be dealt with and uh, yeah it can make things difficult so yeah if you've got an agent let them do their thing and and um and try not to get involved i know it's difficult sometimes do you know what i mean when you've when you've got property and you've got your investment portfolio and things you do become attached and you have got obviously a lot invested in that but if you've got a, a trustworthy agent and management company and things in place, they what they should know what they're they're doing and look after things properly. The the next thing is obviously understanding the costs involved. There are a lot of costs and things to consider when you're uh, building your buy to let portfolio and and do, making purchases. Uh, as with any financial venture, it's crucial to spend time planning out and fully understand the costs involved with buy to let investment. Aside from obviously the, the obvious things like the, the price of the property itself, um, whether or not you decide to pay in full or whether you use buy-to-let mortgages, there are other costs uh, that you need to obviously take into consideration when investing in buy-to-let. Obviously, you've got um, you've got your legal side of things, you've got solicitor fees and that to take into consideration. Recent changes when you and, and stamped it an ADS, additional dwelling supplement, is now six percent as opposed to four percent so you've got that on top when you buy a second home um in scotland now as well so that's another cost you have your usual uh, survey fees and things as well if you are going to use a managing agent there is management costs and agency fees as well and maintenance costs and 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 making the property obviously compliant and maybe doing some maintenance things whether it's freshening it up or doing some repairs so that it's uh, fit for purpose these are all things that you need to think about and have a budget to do that. Karen, we spoke about on, um, and we're going to we're going to touch on some of this as we go. But the show on Saturday was landlord expenses and how you could offset these with uh, as tax as tax deductible expenses and things. Management costs and agent fees and things are uh, in that category. 
along with your maintenance uh, costs of things as well, as long as they are um, fixing the property to a certain standard that's obviously not to the betterment and enhancing the value and things as well. And also uh, taxes as well. When buying to rent a, a property, there are taxes that investors must pay. And we'll obviously, there are uh, things like obviously your ADS and things as well, but you need to be quite savvy on the tax element of your buy to let portfolio. It does differ slightly if you're buying property in your own name or obviously through a limited company. So that's something you need to consider as well. There are a lot of tax benefits to having a portfolio in a limited company to the benefit of the landlord rather than doing it in your own name. And there is the chance, if, if you start to buy property in your own name, when you go to then obviously move them across to the limited company, then you have there's costs incurred in that as well. So you do need to think that's true. If you're going to be building a, a portfolio of, of several properties, uh, at least maybe uh, you maybe need to consider the, the uh, limited company as an option rather than just buying them all in your own name because the tax element of that will have an effect on you. Um, and then obviously buy to let mortgages, getting a buy to let mortgage and getting the right buy to let mortgage. Many people who invest in the UK um, and, and Scotland as well, obviously use a buy to let mortgage. Um, buy to let mortgage rates and things at the moment are all mortgage rates obviously are on the rise. So make sure you've got quite a good mortgage advisor who can advise you on the best the best products out there. We dodge a lot of referrals through to Kessler Shalimi Kessler's based in Dundee, but does cover five. He does all the he does all buy to let mortgaging and, and bridging finance and things. He's a landlord himself, an investor himself, should I say, with quite a good portfolio and really knows what he's talking about in terms of buy to let mortgage. So yeah, make sure you have the right information or the people with the right information when you're looking at what you have in terms of lending options. And then also your deposit and things for your buy to let mortgage, you're, you're typically around about 25%. Um, for a deposit on a buy to let mortgage. So you need to take that into consideration, plus then your ADS once you do the purchase and things as well. So a lot of things to keep in mind when you are uh, when you are purchasing the property. And if you've got a good buy to let mortgage advisor and things, they will keep you right. Um, yes, and they learn about obviously buy to let taxes. So when you buy a, a, a buy, when you purchase a buy to let property, there are certain taxes involved um, and they will add to your buy to let obviously purchase cost. Tax rates on buy to let uh, property can differ depending on the type of tax that's involved. Uh, the tax implications of your buy to let property can sometimes turn people away from the idea of buy to let. We've seen that obviously it kind of puts people off and uh, the changes in tax recently has, has also made people reconsider whether they want to stay in the buy to let game and, and things and we've seen a lot of people start to sell up and break up their portfolios which is why it's so important to educate yourself on the potential fees involved before making any big decisions now that obviously comes down to like stamp duty you've got capital gains uh, tax as well and these are all uh, important things to make yourself aware of as i say stamp duty has just uh, increased to six percent in scotland from four percent so that will be on your purchase price. Capital gains tax for buy-to-let investors is something you need to be aware of as well. One of the biggest taxes that your buy-to-let uh, investment and buy-to-let investors need to pay is capital gains tax. Now, capital gains tax is a tax on any 
profit you make from the sale of an asset. This applies to buy-to-let properties as well. So when selling a buy-to-let property, capital gains should be expected. In fact, the capital gains tax when you're selling buy-to-let properties is actually higher for landlords uh, with tax rates on buy-to-let property uh, of 18% as basic rate taxpayers and 28% for additional rate taxpayers. So the amount you'll pay for capital gains on a buy-to-let property sale will differ depending on the price of the actual property itself. And then you also have tax on your on your let income as well. So the income that investors receive from their buy to rent a buy to let property is taxable, and investors will need to declare uh, any rent they receive on their self assessment, uh, self assessment and a tax return, like you said, Kim. Uh, the rate of income tax will depend on the amount of income you receive. Uh, in twenty twenty, the new rules came into force, which means the basic rate taxpayers will pay twenty percent tax on any earnings between. 12.5 to 50,000, and higher rate taxpayers will pay 40% on the income of anything from 50 to 150, while additional rate taxpayers will be taxed 45% on the earnings over 150,000 pounds. So that brings us to what about tax relief uh, on buy to let? And this is what we covered about uh, on the show on Saturday, Karen, about um, your, ta your, your, uh, your expenses that are tax deductible and things as well. Uh, can you get tax relief? Just how many things are actually tax deductible. Yeah. We wouldn't think about it, but obviously when we went through the show on Saturday, there's a whole list of things that are tax deductible, so it does make it that little bit easier. Yeah, and, and you, people might ask the question, can I get tax relief maybe like on buy-to-let mortgages and things? And those who use a buy-to-let mortgage uh, to pay for their rental property are able to benefit for, from some tax relief. Uh, while it isn't as substantial an amount as it would be in, in the past, you, you still can, and it's definitely worth exploring if you're looking and to benefit from your benefit from it on your buy to let journey. Um, so yeah, that's something. And then um, in twenty in April twenty twenty, a new buy to let rule came into place, um, which is private residential relief, which pro provides uh, certain investors with some relief on their capital gains tax. Buy-to-let investors who have lived in a property before putting it on the rental market can avoid paying capital gains tax for both the time they lived in the property and for the following nine months after moving out. So that's something to keep in mind because capital gains tax can be quite, um, it's quite a big hit in terms of tax costs and things when you maybe go to sell the property or like if you, if you, if you are um, getting to that point where you think, right, I'm going to sell this one and maybe buy use the money to buy a few others or whatever you plan to do you will always have that ele the element of capital gains tax um and involved in obviously that sale so just be careful of that but if you've lived in it and things for a certain period explore what your options are and what you might be able to get uh, some relief in terms of this capital gain tax gains tax depending on what your situation is uh, next point Karen, is learning about buy to let rules and responsibilities now Buying a uh, buying to let comes with a certain with certain legal requirements that investors need to follow regarding maybe their tenancies, property compliance. I mean, whenever you find um, whenever you find a tenant for your buy to let property, you need to create obviously the proper tenancy agreement. You also need to have obviously all your correct legislation um, certificates and things so you're in line with legislation. 
Ken, let you want to run through all your main points of what the um, the main um, safety aspects for compliance are with rental properties. Yeah, so obviously there's various aspects that you have to have in place to be able to move a tenant into a property. So having your energy performance certificate, your EPC should have been done at the purchase point. Yeah. If you've had the property for a bit longer than that, obviously they are valid for 10 years. So that's quite an easy one, to be honest. <laughs> it's not one you have to worry about too often. But um, so yeah, energy performance certificate, your EICR, your electrical installation condition report, um, obviously assesses the electrical safety aspect of the property, which is valid for five years. This can be the more costly one, depending on the state of the electrics when you take over the property. Obviously, it'll assess the RCD board, your smoke alarms, the wiring. Um, so that's something that you should obviously take into account budget-wise because it can be anywhere from a couple of hundred pounds in excess, like we've seen ones over a thousand pounds. Like it really just depends on the property and what is needed. But yeah. a select electrician will be able to give you a quote for obviously your electrical side of it. Um, also following on is gas safety certificate and Legionella risk assessment. Yeah. Um, so along with any PAT testing and your smoke alarm certificate as well. So there's quite a few certificates that you need in place there. <laughs> I mean, they're all important and they're all relevant to the letting process. I mean, gas for me is always the most, the most important. The gas safety, it gets done annually for the gas boiler and any other gas appliances that are in the property. It's really just it's paramount for me, the gas safety, because it's the thing that could cause the most um, damage and harm to not just the property, but the tenants as well, if, if, if things aren't safe. Electrical safety is, of course, such a big thing at the moment, and it it's just seems to keep changing, <laughs> whether it's the, the smoke alarms or whether it's the, the insulated wiring or, you know, there's so, there's so many things. And it's really important to have um, trusted contractors uh, that, that will carry out the work for you and you know that they're doing it properly as well. So that is the most important thing, I think, as well, is to make sure you have trusted contractors. If you're self-managing and things, make sure you have people that you can trust. I know that we've spent a lot of years building up our contractor list with people that we uh, hold in high regard in terms of their abilities as contractors and they're reliable and uh, good at doing the, the work that, they, that they're set out to do. Energy efficiency rules. The energy performance certificates are valid for 10 years at a time. At the moment, there is changes for that. So minimal EPC banding is coming into force as of 2025. They may change that. We don't know. They might, they might push that. They might kick that can down the road a little bit more. But at, at, at the moment, that's what would probably keep your in your focus is that the property should be in a band C or above. But I mean, I mean D, I think, is the national average at the moment. But things need to be a C in order to rent the property. If there's a tenancy running in the property at the point of this happening in 2025, you don't need to upgrade the property to a C until 2028 or until a new tenancy starts. So if the tenant leaves and you go to start a new tenancy, you have to make sure it's up to the level C. But if you've got a current tenancy running when 2025 comes along, you've still got a few years to make the changes. It is going to be difficult for certain properties and certain areas and things to get to that level. There's going to be funding, there's going to be exemptions and things, but it will really, I think, fall on an individual basis. And I think you would need to investigate that. But I think to keep yourself safe, if you're buying property, building a portfolio, find property that is as close to a C as possible, or you could see or, or have somebody advise you that there's easy changes to make, simple changes to make 
to improve the energy efficiency. And if you're looking at a property in the, in the, the EPC band, and, uh, maybe as a D or, or, or slightly lower, but you're going to put a new boiler in and, uh, or maybe going to put new windows in, and you could see that, like, obviously this is going to bring it up, then you've got that scope to improve it easily enough with something that you're, you're intending to do anyway, then that's fine. If not, you could have a bit of challenge in your hands uh, come a couple of years' time. So we'll just keep that in mind, I think, for uh, energy efficiency rules and things as well. So yeah, gas safety, electrical safety, the energy performance certificate, and Legionella risk assessment, you said there, Karen, as well. Um, so these are all the, the main points to keep in mind when you're thinking about property and compliance. We've seen quite a lot recently, and it's, it's strange because obviously a lot of landlords, are, are, a good lot of landlords have decided to sell up their properties. And because we property source and help people buy, we are obviously identifying ones that used to be rentals and they are coming with these certificates and already compliant and basically ready to go. A wee bit of touch up, maybe, maybe freshen it up. And then it's got a quick turnaround. These are the good ones to start your portfolio with. Um, because they've already got like all the smoke alarms, they've got all the electrical safety, the gas safety, and things has just recently been done. So um, they, they are they are the good ones, I think, to start off a portfolio with. Um, le less risk, um, and we'll get on the market, get a tenant in, and it'll start generating income as quick as you can, really. And do you tend to find these are a lot easier ones to turn around, Kim? Yeah, when a landlord has a property and they're bringing it over with their certificates in place, it's a dream. <laughs> uh, they can be quite time consuming just to get it done, especially like I say, the electrical side of it. Um, gas safety is not usually too bad, it's usually done in a day, but the electrical side can take that bit longer. So when landlords are purchasing properties that like you say, maybe just need to be touch up here and there, but the certificates are in place, it means obviously you're able to get a tenant in there a lot quicker again, reduces the void period and gives the landlord money coming in sooner rather than later for it as well. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely, they're definitely the, the safest bet, I think. And then if you've got one or two of them up and running, then you've got you've got that freedom to then maybe try to start, maybe experimenting a little bit and, and getting stuck in maybe a little bit more if that's what you want to do uh, on a on a maybe renovation project and things and, and, and kind of go down that route rather than starting off like that because you could... Uh, you could end up maybe with quite a big job in your hand. You end up putting yourself off, <laughs> and you end up. Do you know what I mean? So, do it, do it uh, cautiously in the beginning. I think is is the important thing. Yeah. Um, and then that brings us to the last thing, and I think it's uh, the most one of the most important is to ensure your investment is safe and secure. Um, while it's crucial for those who invest and buy to let to make sure that their rental property is safe for their tenants who live there, it's also important that the investor themselves feel safe and secure in their, their actual venture and the choices that they've made. Um, you're putting a lot of money into that and into that purchase for a buy-to-let property and you obviously want to see it perform at its best and bring you the best returns. So as we've covered throughout the, the show today, use due diligence and it's one of the most important things um, in buy-to-let tips for all investors embarking on new adventures. Um, using due diligence means to properly research the property itself um, and possibly like the area obviously around it and possibly the tenants that you could get to to, uh, to be in that property. It's particularly crucial when investing um, in off-plan and new build properties. Research the developer, look at the previous builds and things as well. Um, you know, a lot of these new builds, um, they are built very quickly. Um, and there's some builders that are better than others and things, so always keep that 
in mind as well. And just and just be savvy. I think a lot of it is common sense and just to question things and, and think about things with, without just rushing in. Um, don't just make rash decisions. I think sit down, think about something. Classic. Sleep on it. Uh, if you've got time to do that, um, obviously if it's if it's a property that maybe it's got a lot of interest in things, you might not have that the the um, freedom to have that time. But don't just purchase something just because you feel like you need to. Make sure it's the right choice for you. Stick to your numbers. Have figures in mind that you want to 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 go with, and and don't deviate from them, or don't be um, don't be pushed into making a decision whether it's by by an agent or or, or anybody make the decision based on what you've looked at in terms of your risk analysis and things and that that's what you're sticking with and if it doesn't meet that criteria move on to the next one um, i think that's when being prepared comes into it like obviously no have your sums worked out oh, do your preparation have an idea of your areas that you want to go into go in being prepared and then it's just a case of finding the right property for yourself and you know when you come across that right property you're in a position to be able to proceed with it because you have already taken those steps and done that preparation work and run the numbers. So you know, that's fine, this is the property and hopefully your offer is accepted. Yeah, it's very important to keep like the mind and the heart decisions separately yeah. because you can you can really let an emotional, an emotion take over and emotional purchases aren't always maybe the most logical one. Uh, and you could pay for that uh, in the long run if it's not the right, if it's not the right investment uh, purchase and choice. Also, if you if you're doing buy to let um, purchases and things, and you've got make sure you're insured properly as well. We covered this on Saturday as well, Kevin. Um, buildings and contents insurance have a good insurance provider. They may even have an element of like the the loss of rent incorporated in that as well, which is quite good if you if you want that extra peace of mind. Yeah, buildings and contents, and obviously the all important liability insurance that you have uh, incorporated in that with your uh, landlord's insurance. There is a lot of uh, insurance companies out there. there are a lot of the big players, Direct Line and Swinton and things, do offer the um, landlord's insurance package. But always read the small print, I think, of what you're actually covered for. We work with um, quite good insurance brokers who provide really good cover. So if anybody's looking for a referral to them, then I'm happy to do that. But I mean, like I say, your insurance company that you've got probably already do uh, offer uh, and a uh, landlord's insurance, but is it the right insurance policy for you? Does it cover you for the event of maybe a tenant falling into financial hardship and being in receipt of benefits? Or do you know what I mean? There's a lot of different elements and loopholes that uh, you need to make sure. Uh, again, do the risk analysis with the insurance provider. Are they going to be suitable for me? Are they going to cover me in certain instances? Are they going to pay out when uh, the, the tenant runs into rent, uh, rent arrears or difficulty? like their policy states they will because uh, i could i could assure you that there'll be a loophole somewhere that they'll try and find before they pay <laughs> um but i'm actually dealing with one just now through uh, our uh, insurance provider that we use for gyms actually i am i'm doing an insurance claim for that and so far it's went quite seamlessly they, they seem to be quite happy to oblige with my the claim that i'm making so i am really happy with them so as I say, anybody wants a referral on to them, then I'm happy to do that. My uh, email address for email me direct, if you don't jump on the questions and things here, guys, if you've got any questions, it's richard.cook at fiveproperties.co.uk. 
but as I say, jump on the questions if, if you've got time before we finish, or I'll look back if, if people uh, comment on the reruns and things as well. Um, but that's our 12 actionable steps for um, the ultimate buy to let guide. Uh, so I thought that was quite well. I'll just, I'll just summarise. So obviously, to summarise the 12 points was understanding the basics, weighing up the pros and cons, know what you're looking for, explore the buy to let areas, look at different strategies, choose between maybe off plan or refurbishments or obviously newly or newly refurbished ones choose between whether you're going to be hands off or a hands on investor understand the costs that are involved when you're doing buy to let purchasing and obviously running a buy to let portfolio get buy to let mortgage advice from somebody that's reputable and really good uh, at what they do in terms of finding buy to let uh, mortgage products learn about your uh, buy to let taxes and uh, speak to somebody that knows what they're talking about when it comes to buy-to-let taxes. Learn about the buy-to-let rules and responsibilities, which is like you covered there, Ken, your safety aspects and the compliance and legislation rules around buy-to-let. And make sure your investment is protected with proper insurance and you've uh, assessed the insurance policy and what it actually covers you for in terms of liability and, and maybe loss of rent and things as well. And that's us for this afternoon. Now, I'm just going to jump on. There was a couple of questions. Uh, Gary jumped in. Uh, afternoon, Gary. Thanks for joining us. And of course, Jim did as well. And Jim uh, said he is doing a Q&A tonight at 6 p.m. UK time, uh, live on his personal page. Um, so that'll be through Facebook on his personal page. And it's just about his struggles and success with climbing Tubecal and the lessons that he's learned. So that'll be really good. Uh, please join into that. Keep that interactive, guys. Speak to Jim. He will happily answer questions and go through um, his journey that he's been on over the last few days. Uh, it'll be good to hear that. So uh, looking forward to that, Jim. That is tonight. What did that? Did you say? 6 p.m. UK time. All right. And Jim and I will be back as usual next Monday at 12.30 for the Wealth Creation Show. Uh, thank you so much for joining me this, this afternoon, Ken. That was good for your input yeah. on the letting side of things. And thanks to everybody who's watching and joined in with the comments. It's really appreciated as always. And until next time, guys, I'll see you later. Goodbye. Bye.